the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time to sit back, relax, and listen to Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan will inspire, motivate, and empower you. Live your best life now. Listen, learn, think, and decide. And now, here's your host, Joan Herman. Welcome to Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life's Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. Conversations with Joan focuses on topics that are important to your life, from health and wellness to professional development to personal well-being. Changemakers join me to share their insights, tips, and strategies so you can thrive and live your best life now. Thank you for taking time for yourself, and thank you for letting us be a part of your life. Now, let's start talking. In September 1993, Jim Abbott took the mound at Yankee Stadium and threw one of the most dramatic no-hitter games in Major League Baseball history. That game was a high point in an unbelievable success story. Jim was born without a right hand, but that didn't stop him from fulfilling his dream of becoming an athlete. He was a two-sport standout in high school and a pitcher for the University of Michigan. Jim won the gold medal game at the 1988 Olympics and without spending a day in the minor leagues, joined the starting rotation for the California Angels. Jim is a motivational speaker and author of Imperfect and Improbable Life. Hey, Jim, thanks for joining us today. Welcome to the show. Well, thanks, Joan. I appreciate you having me here. You know, Jim, I have to thank you. I have the opportunity to interview really amazing people, but your interview got me a high five from my two sons. So thanks for that, finally. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a good start. We'll see if they agree after it's over. Oh, Jim, I live with baseball fanatics. There's nothing you can say that they won't agree with. You know, and and along those lines, uh, as I said, I have two boys that are baseball fans, and, you know, you guys are role models to them. And growing up, you wanted to be an athlete. You went on to be a professional athlete. You wanted to be a pitcher. You pitched a no-hitter. When you were achieving these goals, was it ever in the back of your mind that you were setting an example for others, maybe kids that were facing similar type challenges and that you were a role model for them? It wasn't until I got to the major leagues that I really started to understand the impact of, of um, uh, you know, of, of being a major league pitcher and, and being in the spotlight and, and being different. I was born missing my right hand, and, you know, I really spent the first part of my life, you know, fighting back against that in, in, in quiet ways, uh, out on a baseball field and, on, you know, in, in athletics and, and in all the things that I was doing. And um, so, no, I, at, at early in my life, I was just doing what I love to do and trying to, you know, trying to find my sense of, of purpose and my identity. And, and um, when I got to the major leagues, uh, of course, there's a lot of attention, a lot of media of attention on, on, on each player. And, and because I was different, I received even more than, than the normal attention. And, and um, I started to see the effect that that could have with with families and parents and kids that you know started coming to the ballparks in every city that we played in and and um, yeah it was a really interesting facet of my career and, and and very very motivating and very inspiring. Well, you know, Jim, going back to your childhood for a moment, why a baseball pitcher? I mean, someone might say, why not run track or something that maybe was less of a challenge to you. Do you think that was a mindful decision on your part? <laughs> yeah, it's funny, isn't it? I could have done a lot of things where I didn't <laughs> have to use my hands quite as much, but um, I loved it. I loved baseball, and there was no conscious decision about where it might lead. It was just doing what the other kids did, getting in the game, getting involved. All the other kids in my neighborhood played baseball, so I wanted to play too. Were your coaches receptive to you back then? incredibly receptive uh and i didn't really realize how lucky i was by you know i had so many coaches who 
who not only were receptive but encouraging. They, you know, when I came to a tryout, you know, I felt I felt the loneliness of of of, of expectations and, and wanting to prove myself. And and you know, so many times there was a coach there who was. Um, you know, not only receptive to my playing, but they, you know, they pulled me into the game and said, listen, we'll figure out a way to get this done. And um, I, I was so fortunate in that. I, I, I get cards and letters to this day from, from parents, moms and dads and kids who, uh, you know, sadly don't have the same type of encouragement in their career, in their, you know, in their sporting world. And, and, and uh, you know, so I, I try to use the small forum that I have to encourage people to, to look at people for what the possibilities that they have instead of what they can't do. Now, Jim, you write in your book that you hid your disability in your right front pocket. When did you finally stop feeling the need to do that? I don't know, Joan. I, I, you know, I guess there are times in my life where I still do that. You know, it, it's a, it's a, it's a lifelong journey. It, it, there are times, um, and talk about this a little bit in the book where, you know, being born missing my right hand, I don't even think about it. I, you know, I'll go weeks at a time where I don't even, you know, it's it's not something that is part of my daily life. And and yet, um, you know, there's other there's other days where I may be in a new situation. You know, I may go to my uh, daughter's classrooms, or I may be at a place where you know there's, you know, there's there is some awkwardness, and and um, and then it is part of my life again. So it it, it kind of stops and starts. I don't think that you you reach this point, at least I haven't re- reached this point where you, you totally say, oh, I, you know, this is um, something I'm completely comfortable with. Uh, you know, I think you always, it's always sort of there. Well, you know, and I think that's a wonderful point because so many of our listeners that are dealing with various types of challenges in their lives, they may think that you're healed and it goes away and you move on. And, you know, look at Jim Abbott. He's this incredibly successful baseball player. And, you know, he got past it. And as you're saying, you have moments where you push it aside, but it's always there. And I want our listeners to understand that it is a, you know, it's an everyday battle where you feel good some days, some, ta- some days it comes back, but that doesn't mean you can't keep moving forward. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. It comes and it goes. And, 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 and that's not, and, and I think you, you try to find peace with the times when when it does sneak into your life when 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 those um you know you get that awkward second glance uh walking down a street you, you, you know there's some reminder of of the fact that you're different and 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 just being aware of those things you're able to take some of the power away from it when I, when you're a kid you're you know you're more susceptible to those types of influences and and as you get older i th- i think we build up a stronger filter and we're able to to you know if if not completely move past you know those feelings be you know take control of them be aware of them and 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 and, and use them to our advantage now, Jim, I get the opportunity to interview a lot of people who have really overcome some tremendous obstacles, and often they attribute a good portion of their success to their parents. And you've said that your parents saw your condition not as a disability, but as an extraordinary opportunity. So for parents that might be listening right now who are raising children with different types of obstacles, what should these parents be telling their children, and what impact does their example have on their child? Well, my parents were my heroes, um, and they serve as a, as a great inspiration to me now that I'm a parent myself. You know, I think the greatest gift that my parents gave me was the idea that my hand was something to be lived up to, and, and it was a responsibility almost. My dad used to say to me all the time, you know, Jim, what's taken away once is given back twice. And, and, and I think he meant that, that you need to focus on what you have instead of what's been taken away. And, and, and I definitely remember the, a turning point in, in, in my upbringing when that became the focus for my parents, you know, that, that yes, I was born missing a right hand, uh, but so much more was given to me. I had athleticism, you know, I, I, I had other talents that would allow me to to live up to that. You know, it was something uh, they treated me as though. You know, I I don't I hate I don't really like the word special, mm-hmm. <laughs> but they made me feel special without treating me special. If that makes any sense, it makes perfect sense. And I love his words. Taken away once is given back twice. Th- those are 
really incredible words to remember because that's something that we definitely forget when we just focus on what we don't have or what's missing in our lives. Yeah, and, and that was something that, that, you know, was passed down to him from his, from his mom. My mom and dad are my heroes in a lot of ways, not just because of, you know, they, they raised me and my brother in, in a very instinctual way and, and, and obviously with the challenges of, of, of me being born different, it, it brought a lot of anxiety and, and, and unknown to their lives. Um, but they themselves, I mean, they had me at a very early age. It was a struggle for them. There was a lot of uncertainty. There was a lot of sacrifice for them, giving up sort of, you know, some of the dreams that they had, you know, when they were younger and, and, and focusing on raising a family. And and, and so their, their model serves me well, and I think about that now, about about parenting and, 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 and sort of the selflessness that's involved. Your career got off to a slow start, and what would you say were some of the adjustments that you needed to make to turn it around in the majors? It's an incredibly competitive environment at the major league level. I was, um, I was very young when I got there. I was just 21 years old, and, and uh, I had had a pretty, a pretty incredible amateur career in, in the fact that I was at the right place at the right time in a lot of ways. I went to the University of Michigan and played there, and, and then I played in the Olympics in, in 1988, and, and, and we won a gold medal. And, and then all of a sudden, I, I made a major league team. So I didn't have a lot of professional experience. And, and the, the key was, um, you talk about attitude, you know, the key for me was to get up on a mound in a major league uh, stadium against major league players and feel as though I belonged. You know, I had a tendency to give the other guys so much credit. I would be looking at a Cal Ripken or a, a Ken Griffey Jr. And, and, and I would I would think about how good they were instead of remembering what it was that I brought to the table and, 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 and remembering my strengths. And um, so that was the adjustment that I had to make. Just just understanding what it was that that gave me the ability to be out there in the first place. Well, and, you know, going on and pitching a no-hitter with one of the greatest baseball teams, the New York Yankees, can you describe what that day was like? Was that the greatest day of your career? It was a great moment, that's for sure. I, you know, I it probably was the greatest day of my career, um, although it, it may not have been the best game I ever played, <laughs> to be honest. There's a certain amount of luck that's involved in a no-hitter, but um, I, I never really realized how much your life can change in, in just a couple of hours. And, and I guess in a good and a bad, bad way uh, on that day, it was in a great way. You know, I, there was a lot of anxiousness and uncertainty that went into the beginning of that game. Um, I hadn't been pitching all that well leading up to it. And, and, and we were right in the middle of a pennant race. Our team was, the Yankees were really starting to come back into prominence, you know, after being down for a few years. So there was excitement and tension and anxiousness. And then all of a sudden this game starts and they don't have any hits. And there's an excitement in the stadium that's building up with the fans and your teammates and the opponents. And it becomes this countdown of outs and, 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 you get down to that last out when you only have one more to get and and the fans are standing up and literally jumping up and down and, and you can feel it with every nerve in your body you know that next pitch might 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 make you or you know you leave a mark for 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 really uh your whole career and 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 there it is a ground ball the shortstop randy velarde fields it throws it to donnie mattingly and and you have a moment that that really changes your life and and um to me that game is just symbolic of of yes we all face tension and anxiety and nervousness but amazing things can come out of that and you just described probably looking back at that moment but do you recall what you were thinking while you were on the mound i remember hopefulness and and um i, I remember it, literally the 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 physical feelings of, of of feeling your heartbeat and and feeling you know that that shakiness in your in your in your legs you know <laughs> that, that just that excitement of the moment and and um, but I but I felt great I, I felt you know confident and and I excited and and a little bit of 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 letting go to to the baseball god so to speak you know just only thing I could really control was the pitch that I threw and the place that I threw it to. And, and after that, 
you know, things kind of have to go your way. And, and I remember a, with all of the excitement and tension involved, you know, a little bit of, of letting go and, and acceptance of, of what was to come next. Now, Jim, after an accomplish, accomplishment like that, you just mentioned when you began that you, you know, you felt like you didn't fit in with the baseball greats. You have to admit now, do you finally feel that you belong there? Well, I did feel like I belonged in the major leagues. I, I was given a lot of talent. I think it goes back to what my dad, you know, dad said, more was given to me than was ever taken away. Um, and there were definitely moments when I felt like I belonged and I felt like I was one of the better players in the league. Um, and, and, and yet there's also moments when, when we're tough on, each, on ourselves. And, and that's a little bit of the exploration of the book is, is looking back on your life, looking back on a career and, and finding, you know, acceptance in the effort that you gave. And, and for a long time, I was very harsh. I judged my career in, in a very harsh way. And and, and now, you know, I, the book really actually kind of helped me to look back on the effort and look back on how far I came in my life. And, and you know, it's a long way from Flint, Michigan to Yankee Stadium. And, and, and um you know, I've really come to be proud of, of the things that I did on a baseball field and, and, and the great way that fans have, have um, you know, really embraced my career and, and, and taken me in. Have you ever thought that perhaps you experienced everything that you have in life to be given this very public platform and go out and change so many lives? I, I don't know that I believe that, but I, the thought has crossed my mind. <laughs> um, only because my dad believed that in some ways, and 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 I, you know, I don't know that I share his faith in that, but um, I I do think there is an interesting narrative in in my career, and and I played in some of the greatest places, you know, for for really kind of. Uh, coincidental reasons. I, I played on the West Coast and I played on the East Coast with the Yankees and, and teams that everybody had heard of and, and, and watched and knew of. And, and I had this great moment and and then I had this difficulty and I had this struggle in, uh, in professional struggle in my career later on. And, and, and in some ways, those are experiences that I think a lot of people can relate to. And, and um, it's I, I don't know that I love the, the, the word, you know, the, the, the the label of motivational speaker, um, but I, I do really, really enjoy the fact that the, the audiences that I get a chance to talk to get inspiration and motivation from these experiences that my career had. It doesn't take a lot for me to drum that up to 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 find uh, resonance and to find um, things that people can connect with. The book is Imperfect: An Improbable Life by Jim Abbott. If you'd like more information about Jim, you can visit his website, jimabbott.net. And as always, you can visit our website, cyacyl.com. That stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. While on our site, listen to past shows as podcasts, read our digital magazine, sign up for our mailing list, take part in our book club, and be sure to follow the show on Facebook and Twitter. Jim, I really want to thank you for spending time with us today. I, I really think that, personally, I don't believe in coincidences. I think that everything in your life brought you to this point and I think you have a very public platform and I'm so happy that you are using it to inspire people that are going through different challenges in their lives and I'm so honored that you shared some time with us today so thank you well it was a real treat for me and, and I thank you Joan and, and good luck with, with passing on a positive message this is conversations with Joan stay with us we'll be right back How much can the right foods do for you? A lot more than weight control. The right foods can increase your energy, improve your outlook, and strengthen your body's natural defenses. What foods can do all that? Primo Health Solutions will show you using metabolic typing. This remarkable program lets your body tell you what it needs to work best. Call them today at 347-903-7030. That's 347-903-7030. Or go to PrimoHealthSolutions.com. Using metabolic typing, Primo Health Solutions will let your body work best. Hi, this is Joan Herman, host of Conversations with Joan. I'm excited to announce that we're taking the show on the road 
and the first stop is the New York Open Center. Join me on Sunday, July 21st at 10 a.m. when my guest is Colleen Kelly Alexander, author of Gratitude in Motion. Colleen was hit by a multi-ton freight truck and left for dead. She was revived twice and remained in a coma for over five weeks. She endured multiple surgeries and severe wound management as her broken body struggled to heal. Even though she could not walk at the time, Colleen vowed that she would run and dedicate her race medals to the medical heroes that saved her life. To date, Colleen has run 50 races and completed 40 triathlons, including four half Ironman events. She is a true miracle. For more information, visit cyacyl.com slash events. That's cyacyl.com slash events. And be sure to tune into Conversations with Joan every Sunday night at 10 p.m. right here on AM 970 The Answer. Dr. Katherine Berndorf, co-founder and medical director of the Motherhood Center, a treatment center in New York City for pregnant and new moms experiencing anxiety and depression. She specializes in treating women before, during, and after pregnancy, as well as at other times of transition in their lives. Dr. Berndorf is an associate professor of psychiatry at Cornell. She was a regular mental health columnist for Self Magazine and has appeared on numerous television programs, including The Today Show, Good Morning America, MSNBC, and CNN. She is a co-author of the new book, What No One Tells You, A Guide to Your Emotions During Pregnancy and Motherhood. Dr. Berndorf is here today to discuss relationships after childbirth. Welcome, Dr. Berndorf. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me, Joan. Catherine, having a baby can be the most wonderful time in our life, but sometimes the demands of motherhood become overwhelming. Is it normal to be on edge and fight with those closest to us, like our parents or even our partner? Oh, absolutely. I mean, can you imagine you've just added a whole new member of the family, um, and it's a very vulnerable time, and you've just, you know, been through a pregnancy and a delivery. And it's like you just run a marathon. You're not expected to, like, get up and walk perfectly, right? Like, as a metaphor for the idea that, like, everything has changed and things are harder in a new way, not forever and always, but the identity transition, I think, is so underappreciated in new motherhood that how could things not be difficult? And how could relationships not be stressed in new ways? So when a new mother finds herself experiencing these types of emotions, what can she do before she goes into battle with a loved one? Oh, that is a big question. Um, You know, I think that if in the best case scenario, when someone's pregnant or even prior to pregnancy, there is some appreciation for the idea that becoming a mother, right, this a word that's kind of been revitalized um, after um, being coined in the, in the 70s, um, it, it, a word called matrescence, right, becoming a mother, like adolescence, becoming a, an adolescent or a teen, right, it's this bumpy transitional period, and it is difficult at best. And it is um, under, as I said, appreciated and recognized as this transition that really rocks your world. And if you kind of know that going into it and have appreciation for that, maybe you'll be a teeny bit ahead of the curve <laughs> when it happens, right? So, so that kind of preparation or thinking about it when you're pregnant, right? The idea that, oh boy, life is going to change. Life as I know it will never be the same because guess what? It won't. That doesn't mean it's going to be worse or it's only going to be better. It's going to be many things. And the anticipation of the change, you know, and putting on your metaphoric seatbelt is a really kind of important um, thing to hold in your awareness. So what can our family members and loved ones do? Because, you know, sometimes the people closest to you really know how to push your buttons. So what can they do to help defuse the situation? Yeah. So, it, it, listen, it's, isn't it ironic that the people closest to us, you know, because they do know our buttons and can push them, so why do they, you know? But, but they do because <laughs> it, it, things, that's sort of an acting out, right? They're not, sometimes it's not as easy to speak directly about what's happening and bring a new baby into the picture who's 
got demands 24-7, it, it makes it rough on everyone to figure out how to be and um, how to be their best self, right? How to um, use their words and use their mature skill sets to to communicate. So it's quite rough to um, navigate the terrain, but but figuring out how to talk about things as opposed to just feeling bad or mad or sad, right, is figuring out how to put words to that. It's like right, going back to kindergarten. Use your words. How do you talk to people about how you're feeling? And, um, you know, sometimes that's hard for the for the new mom who may be in a very vulnerable state, but but maybe that's you, you, you want to with your if you if you're if you have a partner and a good relationship there, it's it's figuring out, OK, how are we going to talk to your parents or my parents so that they get that we actually don't want them to walk into our house without knocking on the door or we don't like it when they do, you know, pick up the baby without washing their hands or whatever it is. Right. All these little teeny Unexpected things can become fights. Maybe you and your husband or you and your partner aren't even on the same page about those things. Maybe someone said to me yesterday, my husband doesn't even see it. He thinks whatever that his parents do is like, he's like fine with it, but it drives me crazy. So what do you do with that, right? So how do you figure out how to talk with your partner and express it in a way that's not going to only put them on the defensive, but is, and you're not at your best. So being able to facilitate a conversation like that, it is hard, but ultimately that's what it is. It's about communication as much, you know, sort of openness and directness and kindness, kindness and empathy as you can muster in those moments, whether it's, you know, with the partner or with a parent or a sibling or someone who's disappointed you or, you know, any of the feelings that you're having about the shifting in relationships, you know, the more directly and kindly those can be addressed, the better off you hopefully will be. Catherine, you're talking about shifts in relationships. What about the shift that occurs between the new mother and her romantic partner? Prior to the arrival of the baby, the partner was the mother's world. And once the baby comes, the focus shifts. What about that resentment and jealousy that the father or partner ends up feeling toward the mother? What can she do to help with that? Right. Well, it's, you're describing a very common phenomenon, which is like when you go from two to three, anybody knows, you know, you're in a, a, a dialogue, you bring in another person or a third friend or a third wheel, we even have a term for it, right? Like, it's a complicated position. The, the, the question is, is, you know, like you said, maybe the partner used to be the center of the, the new mom's universe. And now there's a baby competing, quote unquote, for time and attention and needs being met. Right. It's like, again, it's all the expressions that we use all the time. Stop being a baby. We say to adults, it's like because I actually have a real baby here. Right. Who needs attention. But guess what? The partner is feeling bereft, too. And I, I think it brings up one of the very common themes that happens in this this period of matrescence, which is loss. And it, it, it seems, again, somewhat ironic or surprising that you've gained this baby, but you've lost many things. Right. And, and these things are true at the same time. Like it's not a zero sum that you get one and give up the other. But you both get one and give up the other, right? You can't be a, you can't be a not mother once you are a mother, but you, you do have a life. You did have a life before and an identity that, that there's still a self. So you have to navigate that with a partner, right? Who has potentially been displaced, dethroned, um, detached from, because you're the object of your, in some way, desire, like, Everything is taken over by the baby, um, even if it's just physical need. But but that really puts a can really drive a wedge between you and your partner. So talking about it. So you ask what to do, and it's talking about it. It's airing the feelings, saying things like "I feel left out," um, mm -hmm. not "You are leaving me out." Again, back to kindergarten. Use I statements. Right. I feel sad. I feel. I feel like I don't matter anymore. And typically when someone hears that, they can say, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry you feel that way, as opposed to you're such a baby. But right. 
the nuances of the conversation, again, which this is a hard time to do it, but the better you get at it, the more practice you give yourself the, the, or challenge yourself to do, the, the more likely you are to have success and, and, and find new ways to be a triad now that you're no longer a dyad. This baby's in your life. So how are you going to work that out with, with the, the different relationships that are, that are there? The book is What No One Tells You, A Guide to Your Emotions During Pregnancy and Motherhood by Dr. Katherine Berndorf. If you would like to get more information about Katherine and her work, you can visit themotherhoodcenter.com. And as always, to hear more from Dr. Berndorf, you can visit our website, cyacyl.com slash Katherine. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Joan Herman. Did you know that Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life publishes a free monthly digital magazine that can be read online or emailed to your inbox? Every month, nationally recognized leaders in their field provide information to educate, inspire, and motivate you. We believe in a holistic approach to life, incorporating mind, body, and spirit. Check out a copy of 24-7 magazine, visit CYACYL.com, and be sure to tell your friends. This is WNYM, Hackensack, New Jersey, New York City. Welcome back to Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for staying with us. If you're diagnosed with cancer, which expert should you see first? A medical specialist or a money manager? According to today's guest, Scott Page, option two might give you the best hope for surviving the disease with your health and your wealth intact. Scott is an expert on retirement and financial issues facing seniors and baby boomers. He's appeared on 2020, NBC Nightly News, and Fox Business Network, and his work has been featured in the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and Newsweek. Scott is the author of It's Never Too Late. Welcome, Scott. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. So, Scott, it's been reported that cancer patients are two and a half times more likely to declare bankruptcy than healthy people. And those patients who do go bankrupt are 80 percent more likely to die from the disease than other cancer patients. This is a serious situation. So why is this financial toxicity occurring? Well, you know, it's it's a result of the illness and the mounting bills. Financial toxicity really describes the dire health impact of soaring medical costs in the in this country. And there's studies showing that this stress is so toxic that it's leading to early demise. And you know, we're in a country where we really should not have to worry about health care. And specifically with seniors, you know, it's showing that almost 40% of men are going to develop some form of cancer other than skin cancer and just in minor cancers, and almost 38% of women. And a lot of this is because we're just aging more in America. Now, until recently, people over 85 were not even followed statistically, and they are the largest growing population of individuals developing cancer today. So, Scott, for people that are undergoing these costly cancer treatments, what do you believe are their biggest concerns? Their biggest concerns are how are they going to pay for it and how is this going to affect their family and their financial and and sometimes retirement? And, you know, the medical community is not set up to have these discussions with patients. And, you know, one of the things as, as as you opened is when you find out you have a cancer diagnosis, do you contact your doctor or your financial planner? And it really should be both in concert because removing the financial stress on how you're going to pay for your treatment is critical. And there are several things that people should look at outside of the box for paying for their care. And one that I immediately recommend to clients is to review their existing life insurance policy. That means someone can actually sell their policy for a lump sum of cash they can use to pay for their care. A second opportunity is a reverse mortgage. Many people that have equity in their home, if they want to stay in their home, they really should consider a reverse mortgage. There's been some bad press about them in the past, but they've really cleaned up their act and they're able to offer a very fair and fast and convenient opportunity for seniors who have equity in their home and they still want to stay in their home through the remainder of their life. Scott, many of us, and me included, we pay these ridiculously high premiums for health insurance, thinking that when we're sick or when we need the coverage, it'll be there to help us. Is that the case? And if not, 
what types of things could we be hit with outside of what our coverage would take care of for us? Well, depending on your coverage, every health plan is a little different. For most seniors that are on Medicare, you know, Medicare will pay to up to about 20% of the coverage unless you have a Medicare supplement policy. However, one in five Americans are struggling to pay medical bills, and nearly 10 million American adults are going to face bills they can't pay despite having health insurance. So there's also not only your medicines that you're paying for and your doctor visits, but there's other costs, which is transportation, meals, home health care, dressings, durable medical equipment, all of these things that are never considered that, that your insurance company may not pay for. And I think as part of America, we plan retirement and think, okay, how are we going to enjoy our golden years? We want to travel. We want to visit the grandkids. You know, we want to buy a mobile home. And very few Americans consider the horrific effect that a cancer diagnosis can have and basically wipe out any of their retirement savings they have. You just gave us a few great financial options, but if a person finds him or herself in serious trouble, is bankruptcy a good option? Bankruptcy should be a strategy. If you have if you've evaluated all of your, your assets, if they do not have a life insurance policy or equity in their home or an annuity or some stash of cash to help them, I think bankruptcy should be considered as a viable alternative. Because when it comes to your health, removing the stress is the most important element you can do. And if your strategy is to get through, get healthy, get through your treatments, get through your follow-ups, keep your um, bill collectors at bay until you have to file bankruptcy, that should be a strategy that anyone should consider. Scott, are there any other tips or strategies that you want us to remember? If anyone has a is diagnosed with a medical problem or cancer diagnosis, check with your state agencies. There's lots of state agencies that can help with prescription drug copays, help with living expenses. Um, if you're if you're involved in a church, reach out to your church. You know, one of the things in this country that's refreshing is people love to offer help. And if someone needs the help, they need to to swallow their pride and ask for help. Don't be afraid to reach out and look for options. Scott, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. This is Conversations with Joan. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Long-term care planning is a very hot topic today. That is partially driven by the fact that the conventional market is imploding. Many of the biggest insurance companies have pulled out of the market as a result of poor claim experience. That means there are less choices to safeguard your assets and protect the quality of life for you and your family. Hi, I'm Ed Gaelic, a life and health insurance broker and founder of PSI Consultants located in Glenrock, New Jersey. We have specialized in personal insurance and company-sponsored health benefits since 1985. One of the most important parts of yours or your elder parents' planning is developing a strategy to protect your dignity, independence, financial security, and choices should you need ongoing assistance with the basic activities of daily living. One planning option is to pay for services yourself, but the rapidly escalating cost for all levels of care can quickly drain what you've worked so hard to accumulate. Another is to depend on others to care for you. These individuals, often family members, may only be available off work hours and that will certainly change their lives. The best option is to purchase private insurance. This way, you'd have the resources to provide professional care should it be needed, whether it be at home, at an assisted living, or a skilled nursing facility. Make this choice and you'll be able to focus on the good things and have quality time with your family and those needing the help will have a quality of life that's safe the newest products combine life insurance with a long-term care rider allowing the policy owner to use that policy's benefits to pay for care in the event the insured becomes benefit eligible never need the care your policy builds cash value which could eventually exceed your outlay and will ultimately provide a death benefit this could be a great solution for you explore your options today please visit our website at psi-consultants.com. My friend John said to me the other day, I just don't understand. I lift weights three times a week. I got a routine from a certified personal trainer. I've been doing it for a whole year. Why aren't I getting any stronger? I'm Christina Nemec, co-founder of Path Health Consultants. Here at Path, we focus on using lifestyle to prevent and manage risks. We're a workplace wellness firm dedicated to improving the bottom line of the organizations we work with. Our innovative, personalized approach to wellness supports employees as they adopt and sustain behaviors 
that improve or maintain their health. In addition, we offer a variety of health seminars and workshops to companies interested in educating and supporting their employees in a group setting. Albert Einstein once said that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again but expecting different results. The principle of overload states that in order to progress or get stronger or faster or better at some type of exercise, you must gradually increase the stress placed on the body. That means that for John to see a difference in his strength, he needs to lift more weight, either by completing more repetitions or by increasing the amount of weight he lifts or by doing both. So if you feel like you've reached a plateau in your workout, try stressing your body by doing more. Here's a case when stress can be beneficial. If you'd like more information on workplace wellness, please contact us at pathhealthllc.com. Is your child struggling to finish tests on time? Hi, I'm Scott Doty, performance coach, productivity guru, and founder and chief brainiac of New Jersey's most awarded tutoring company, Brainstorm, which offers private in-home tutoring for all school subjects, standardized tests, and college applications coaching. Now, many people are allergic to running out of time on tests. They equate running out of time with failure. Obviously, I need to do everything in my power to finish on time, they think. The truth is typically different. Unless you are a high-soaring overachiever looking for near perfection, you have room in your performance for incorrect answers. Most people, in other words, can get their goal score and still get a great number of questions wrong. With this in mind, I always advise students to focus less on the obsession with sprinting through a test at full speed. And of course, that often results in finishing on time but with terrible quality. And I tell them instead to focus more on quality work that gets the job done, even if it means running out of time. So the takeaway here is focus not on rushing to finish on time. Finishing on time is not the goal. A certain score, a B plus, maybe a 1300 SAT, that's the goal. And there are clever ways to make that happen even if you can't finish on time. If you'd like to learn more about these kinds of ways to learn and you like access to New Jersey's elite core of academic coaches and admissions experts, check out stormthetest.com. Hi, this is Joan Herman, host of Conversations with Joan. I'm excited to announce that we're taking the show on the road, and the first stop is the New York Open Center. Join me on Sunday, July 21st at 10 a.m. when my guest is Colleen Kelly Alexander, author of Gratitude in Motion. Colleen was hit by a multi-ton freight truck and left for dead. She was revived twice and remained in a coma for over five weeks. She endured multiple surgeries and severe wound management as her broken body struggled to heal. Even though she could not walk at the time, Colleen vowed that she would run and and dedicate her race medals to the medical heroes that saved her life. To date, Colleen has run 50 races and completed 40 triathlons, including four half Ironman events. She is a true miracle. For more information, visit cyacyl.com slash events. That's cyacyl.com slash events. And be sure to tune into Conversations with Joan every Sunday night at 10 p.m. right here on AM 970 The Answer. productive life, but sometimes we just need a little help. Our Coach On Call experts provide strategies to help you live your best life now. Joining me today is Allison Carmen, a business consultant, life coach, and author of The Gift of Maybe, offering hope and possibility in uncertain times. Allison's podcast, 10 Minutes to Less Suffering, provides simple tools to reduce daily stress and worry. She's here today to discuss how to determine if life lessons are holding you back. Welcome, Allison. Thanks for joining us. Oh, Joan, thank you for having me today. So, Allison, I've gone through a lot of change and, and a lot of not so positive things in my life. And when I experienced them, I was always told to find the lesson or the blessing from that unexpected or painful experience. But sometimes, to be honest, we get so stuck in the story of what happened or who hurt us that it's very difficult to move forward. So why do you believe this type of behavior holds us back? Well, what happens is that things happen in our lives. And of course, after we have an experience, usually there's a lesson. And these lessons turn into wisdom. But at the same time, sometimes the lesson turns into a story. And if it turns into a story, we're bringing the past into the moment and we're bringing our past into the future. 
And a really good example of this is a client that I had um, a few years back who had a boyfriend that cheated on her. And we worked a long time on her loving herself and respecting herself because she really felt in the relationship she didn't respect or love herself. And so when she decided it was time to move forward, she had a list of all the things this new boyfriend needed to have. But it was always in regard to the old boyfriend. I'm going to make sure that this new guy doesn't cheat on me like my ex-boyfriend. I'm going to make sure that I could trust this guy not, because I couldn't trust my ex-boyfriend. And what she didn't realize is that although she was trying to create a new life, at the same time, the ex-boyfriend was still in her life. The pain was still in her life because the story was still in her life. And the reason why we do this is we think that if I hold on to that story, I could protect myself. But we don't realize that we're not protecting ourselves. We're just bringing the pain forward. And we also don't realize that if we truly learn our lesson, it turns into wisdom. She had worked so much on self-love that if she had been in a new, new situation with a new guy, if she was loving herself and respecting herself, she would just know. And that's the big thing we miss, that wisdom turns into a knowing that we have for ourselves. So if we cultivate the wisdom... We know we'll be okay because we've already experienced the past and we got through it. So we cultivate the wisdom, which is the knowing I'm okay. I can love myself. I can handle this. We build resilience and then the story doesn't matter. We could drop it because the truth is you don't want to bring your ex-boyfriend into your new relationship. And if it's in business, you don't want to bring an old partner that was dishonest with you. You don't want to bring him forward. The only thing we want to bring forward is ourselves and the wisdom that we cultivate. And if we do this, then our lives can truly move forward because we're free. We're free of the past. We're free in this moment. And we're free to create the future that we want. Allison, listening to you share that story, I was sitting here and I'm nodding my head. And I'm sure that a lot of our listeners are seeing themselves in that type of story. So how do we turn this around? What is it that we could be doing to use those times in order to find the light, to not bring it forward? Well, the first thing that we, we do need to look at is how we're feeling because you can't skip that point because if you had something in your life sometimes things in life are very painful if you had a bad breakup if you went bankrupt if you you had a nasty boss and lost your job we have to allow ourselves to feel what we feel so there's a process but then after a while moving forward we could say well what can i learn from this did i love myself did i do a good job at work whatever the lesson is Look at that, but then don't take the story with you. So as you move forward, think about, am I creating red flags and I'm referring back to the old boyfriend, the old boss, or am I really cultivating something within myself that knowing to help myself move forward? So we have to be aware of the fact, is the story still with us? Am I still talking about that person? Am I still talking about that old job? Am I thinking about it all the time? Because you know what also our mind does is for some reason we think that we could undo what happened in the past. We don't realize the past is like a building that burned down, but a lot of us sit around and try to redecorate, right? The right. insides, but we just can't. Right. So we have to recognize that the past is over, the story is over, what is our lesson, what is the wisdom, and then when we're faced with a new situation, we don't have a list that has anything to do with anything else other than the things within us, self-love, awareness, resilience, and, and sometimes it also could be a, about a business, it could be things you want to market differently, how you want to raise money, all those things are okay, but again, drop the story, because like I said before, we don't want to bring our ex-boyfriend, our ex-husband, our ex-business partner into the moment, so through, aware, through allowing ourselves to feel what we need to feel, through awareness, through cultivating our inner strengths, and letting go of the facts of the story from the past and making sure as we move forward, we are free. We don't need to protect ourselves. We just need to cultivate the wisdom, the self-love to move forward to create our new life. And Allison, I think so many of us do the steps that you just recommended, but we don't let go. That's the key. It's letting go, seeing what you can learn, cultivating, getting the lesson, but then release it. Absolutely. And we don't let go because we think the story is going to protect us moving forward. If I remember what happened to me, I'll never let it happen again. Right. But what really happens is by holding on to that, we're limiting ourselves. We're creating more pain and we're living in fear. We're living in fear because we don't believe that we can really have the life that we want. And we can't cultivate an understanding and a strength within ourselves to deal with anything that comes our way. So our fear of uncertainty, 
plays into it. But the truth is, like you said, the letting go and knowing that we can handle whatever comes our way will always be by our side and always help us create a new life. Allison, is there a final thought you'd like to leave our listeners with? Well, I always leave everybody with that maybe statement, you know, maybe everything is okay and maybe life will change and maybe there are new things on the horizon. But in order to do that, we need to cultivate the wisdom and the resilience and the self-love. And we don't have to worry about the story of what happened before, because when we learn our lessons, they're in us. We integrate it. It's part of us so we can be free to move forward. Allison, thank you so much for joining us. If you would like to learn more about Allison and her work, or if you'd like to listen to her podcast, 10 Minutes to Less Suffering. You can visit her website, alisoncarmen.com. And as always, to hear more from Allison, you can visit our website, cyacyl.com slash Allison. When thinking about selling your home, many sellers start preparing by fixing and even updating different parts of their home. Although sometimes this may be important to get a higher sale price for your home, sometimes sellers go a little too over the top and end up spending more money and time than needed. Hi, my name is Danielle Grosso, a real estate agent from Experience Real Estate with Keller Williams Realty, here with some advice about home improvements in preparation for selling. According to HouseLogic, in 2017, the four home improvements that created the highest return on investment were upgrading the landscaping with bright shrubs or trees, a flagstone walkway, planters or more, installing a new roof if your roof is on the last leg of its life, refinishing your current hardwood floors, or even adding new hardwood floors, or adding an outdoor patio or outdoor deck. Try walking through your home as a buyer and imagine what they would think as they were touring your home. Then make your list of improvements from there. A local realtor would be happy to help you and provide their advice as well. If you have further questions about this or real estate in general, please feel free to contact me at any time at danielle at danielle-grosso.com. Hi, this is Joan Herman. Did you know that Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life publishes a free monthly digital magazine that can be read online or emailed to your inbox? Every month, nationally recognized leaders in their field provide information to educate, inspire, and motivate you. We believe in a holistic approach to life, incorporating mind, body, and spirit. Check out a copy of 24-7 Magazine, visit CYACYL.com, and be sure to tell your friends. That's it for today's show. Thank you for joining us. I hope you found the show informative. At Conversations with Joan, we believe that knowledge is power. Take what you've learned, apply it, and live your best life now. Remember that the information provided are the opinions of our guests and should never replace the advice of a professional who knows your personal situation. If you'd like more information, visit our website, cyacyl.com. That stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. While on the site, listen to past shows on demand, read our digital magazine, take part in the book club, check out our team, and be sure to follow the show on social media. Until next time, this is Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. The preceding pre-recorded program sponsored by Maximilian Communications, LLC. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.